welcome. This is the KM Lobby Show. We're here to help you find out more about what's going on in the world of knowledge management. Today, co-hosting with us is Monica Denise Perrin, based in England, and Janetta Guelli, based in Italy, and myself, Edwin K. Morris, based in New York State, USA, brought to you by Pioneer Knowledge Services. Today, we're talking with the Asian Development Bank, in specific, the folks that are handling knowledge and innovation. And I'm reading this from the ADB site, and I want to talk about this a little bit just to set the stage of what we're talking about in this show of the KM Lobby. The Asian Development Bank is a trusted knowledge provider in countries and economies where it extends and it supports. Uh, so I just want to bring that in because nowhere does it say we supply money. Or, you know, like you would think, a bank, money, loaning, lending, you know. But they're talking about knowledge providing. So that really sets the stage of what Asia is looking at as a resource. I want to welcome Jane and Vavik. Oh, we're really honored to have you folks here because it is an international call. We're representing Manila, we're representing London, and Sicily, Italy, and little old Sherman, New York, all on one call talking about knowledge and how important it is. So first off, let me introduce Janetta. She is uh, our KM host and executive producer for the KM Lobby. Janetta, good morning. Good morning, everyone, and uh, thank you very much for staying with us. And uh, coming in from London is Monica. She's just outside the palace gates right now. What do you see, Monica? <laughs> well, I see the beautiful sunshine. <laughs> Obviously, I'm lying, and the uh, lovely royal family. Jane, you're calling in from Manila. It is late there. What is happening for you, what you do for almost 20 years at the Asian Development Bank? I used to work with the economics research department. Then I moved to the library. In both cases, I knew that I was already starting KM work before I joined this Knowledge Advisory Services Center. I joined this office doing KM in 2013. And in all those years, I have seen that um, the bank has tried to embrace or do KM very slowly. The change is happening, but it's happening very slowly. And most of the changes actually happen in the last five years. Yes, it, it has become a bit faster in the last yeah. five years. So let's, let's go to our next guest, who apparently might be the agent of change, Vivek. <laughs> Uh -huh. I wish I wish I was the agent of change. Uh, thank you for having me, Monica, Janetta, and Edwin. Uh, it's a pleasure here in summer Manila. You know, summer has started here. It's incredibly hot. You know, air conditions are on and making sure that we have uh, keep ourselves cool physically as well as mentally because the challenge of KM is incredibly difficult in ADB and we'd love to talk a little bit more about that with all of you. Well, thank you very much for being here. Monica, I would like you to go first uh, and then we'll go around the horn with questions and answers. You know, I, I'm fascinated about uh, ADB. I've, I've, always, I've also worked in a bank myself. I worked at, at Lloyd's Banking Group for seven years and so I, I understand the, the change happened very slowly but in the last five years it really did transform and I'm, I just really want to understand and want to hear more about the ADB story, what that transformation looked like. What did it feel like? Um, 
20 years back, ADB officially decided to become a learning organization. Sometime in 2004, we developed our first KM framework. But that kind of framework was limited mainly to what they called uh, informal networks. Eventually, these became communities of practice. So that kind of conversation across the bank was happening. The changes came with the um, Strategy 2020 of the Asian Development Bank. It was the first time that we heard the term knowledge solutions. So ADB wanted to give more meaning to our knowledge products and services and be more committed to delivering knowledge that will be useful to our clients. The reason I'm saying that a lot of the changes did happen in the last five years This is also because what's happening outside the bank. Our clients, and this is the main reason, many of them were graduating to what we call middle income status. And as they were graduating to that status, these countries were demanding less and less financing. Knowledge was becoming more important. And this set the stage for us to really focus on what we have wanted to deliver to them as knowledge solutions. It's no longer about building bridges or building roads, but how do you build better design infrastructure? And that's where all the changes have been coming in. At the same time, because the needs of our client countries were becoming complex, we are talking about cross-cutting solutions involving different sectors, different themes, Because ADB started to work on 15 sectors and themes. Seven sectors, that's energy, education, finance, health, transportation, water, and urban development. Thematic areas along the lines of agriculture, climate change, governance, gender, social development, public-private partnerships, and regional cooperation. Because that kind of spans really responds to the complexity of the problems that our client countries face. Wait a minute, wait a minute. So what you're saying is, is that your product line as a bank has changed from a monetary basis to a knowledge basis. Is that what you're saying? It has, well, it, it did in a way. There's more focus on knowledge. Although when we really look at providing knowledge, There is no knowledge management, so to speak, or there is no formal offering of knowledge products and services, but knowledge was always there to help in the implementation of loans. Edwin, it's not like lending is no longer required. Lending is what our clients want more than just lending. Mm. So the term lending plus or finance plus and now we are, you know, as our journey has improved in ADB on just knowledge and what our clients want, we are now saying maybe it's not lending plus, maybe it's knowledge plus. You know, knowledge becomes the main currency and then the financing is the plus. So there's a lot of different variations. But as Jane kind of spoke about was the context of Asia changed, right? And therefore, ADB as an organization had to change. I'll tell you a little bit about my journey into ADB, right? I have a window of just three and a half years in ADB. I only joined in 2018. I could just sense the, it was on the cusp of change. You know, a lot of new staff were in, a lot of us had new ideas and there was space for those ideas. And there was a lot of debate between, oh, knowledge management and, you know, we need to do more knowledge. 
it wasn't very sure like what do we mean by that knowledge and one of the things that jane and i keep saying even now within our work is hey while knowledge is everyone's business in adb because that's what our clients want from us right it's not just lending we we are a trusted partner for them and they know that we will give them the best solution but knowledge management is not everyone's business right and that's why people like us are in adb and trying to make that that shift happen that how does adb manage its knowledge better to become more effective to our clients right i hope i was clear in kind of explaining the two degrees of knowledge that work that we are doing yes before we move to janetta monica do you have any other questions i think i'm fascinated i think by by the whole kind of approach that you're taking and it seems so 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 modern so so forward thinking from my experience doing km in in a bank it really has taken it a step further and i think i'm just interested in understanding more about the processes and the tools and how you collaborate yeah. but i'm sure janetta is going to come to that let me uh, tell you a little bit more and then when i joined in 2018 that time there was a discussion about adb drafting a knowledge management action plan that opened up a lot of discussions in adb about knowledge knowledge management what do we mean what do we want this action plan to do and i was telling uh, jane even from the very beginning and call it an action plan call it a strategy doesn't matter but make sure that we get to do what we want to do once it's approved we are a small team in adb as jane said that we are a knowledge advisory service center so we are kind of the custodians of the knowledge management action plan but knowledge is everyone's business in adb we need to make sure that that business thrive thank you janetta your kim journey started 20 years ago so people get used to do uh, that job in a specific way and and then suddenly clients didn't require no more those type of uh, assistance but another one how did you deal with your colleagues your peers uh, to make them changing their attitude to work and to be aligned to the new client's needs so if you can give us a couple of examples uh, both from uh, the top management did you have all on board there was someone who didn't rely more on this new way of uh, thinking about knowledge and client assistance and one side and on the other level an example from the operative you know the people who know everything piece by piece the nature of the work and they didn't want to change and why they didn't want to change so i'm very interested to know oh janetta the tales we could tell you about this all the struggle that we have had you know don't let anyone tell you that this was all easy huh and this is still a journey for us i mean we are we've got some small successes yeah. but if you want to make institutional change no one tells you that it's going to be easy right but no one says my gosh the day to day struggles of it all first and foremost knowledge management is change management and this has come across in any organization whether it's my predecessor like the organization i worked with before or now knowledge and change are so intrinsically linked that it cannot be done without the other and that's kind of somehow uh, you know i always joke with colleagues in our organization that we are a lending organization in many ways right i always say that hey i'm sure jane and i could still do a process alone but i'm not sure whether they could do the knowledge management work we do because it's it requires such a high level of emotional intelligence 
an, an emotional IQ to be able to judge the room, gauge the room, what is palpable? Is this idea of my resonating? Am I going down a jargony filled explanation about this? Because we as KM folk tend to talk our own little language. So how do you break it down to those people? How do we convert those? That really is where the challenge comes in. And that's when, you know, the day-to-day frustrations of it can like come up. And in ADB, as in any organization, what I love, love, love about my time in ADB is that it's so willing to change. The fact that Jane and I are here and we are trying to do something new and different, and we'll touch upon all of those in this conversation, is that there is an appetite for change. Obviously, it's never going to be easy to convert people all along. Right? So you can think of it this way, there's 50% of people who are willing to embrace new ideas and change and there's another 50% of people or maybe a smaller percentage who feel, show me the value before you tell me to change. So the burden of proof is on us at the moment. And when we mature as a KM organization, we always say then the burden of proof will be on the others to say why do they need to, you know, why should it be business as usual for them and not for us. So to get people on board, for knowledge management and Vivek rightfully said it is change management and we've tried several ways to nudge people it always boils down to what's in it for me Mm. so when we were selling or pitching the idea that departments across the bank should prepare their own knowledge management roadmaps we always start with the question where are your pain points where is the knowledge that you need that can help you do your work. Vivek was right in saying that it always boils down to what's in it for me when we're trying to sell the idea of knowledge management to our different departments. We always ask the question, what are your pain points? Especially when you are looking for knowledge, what content are you looking for? As much as possible, we don't want departments in ADB or staff to feel that this is an ad hoc, an additional work. But we want them to know what the value is of doing KM because for all you know, they're not just aware, but they're actually doing KM already. So that's the kind of struggle we face. The only saving grace that I have seen so far is because many of the departments, maybe a handful, still see this as ticking the box exercise, but many of the departments get the support of their top management to do KM. So that for us is already comforting. I I think what I heard, Jane, was that you have a lot of, you're quite a a lot of sponsorship to be able to have that cultural change that's really needed in that that point of view. Has that always been there or has that only been there for the last three to five or three, five years? Sponsorship has been there. It varies, no, the degrees vary. You know, it's interesting when you say sponsorship, I was thinking the same thing. Yes, we have strong management buy-in, Monica, and that's been one of the biggest blessings of being in KM right now in ADB. And our management sees this and they support it. But like I said before, we are the ones who have to come up and we are the dream factory. We are the ones who have to come up with ideas and keep churning new and new things that ADB needs to do in order to kind of mature as a KM organization, right? And in the last three or four years, we've done so many new things and introduced so many new things that cannot be done without the support of management. That has been great, but the implementation, the day-to-day activities, uh, make sure that those initiatives get trickled down to the troops 
that is where the challenge lies that's where the change management comes in and because there people are already doing so many other things in our organization why should they come and now do something new just because we have approved a knowledge management action plan and that's where i think the change management aspect of our team kicked in where we went and met individually every department told them why this was important why this roadmap would help second we made sure it was not seen as a reporting or a monitoring tool it is a self improvement tool third we made sure that progress is incremental let's attack the low hanging fruits first then we can start building momentum slow and steadily of course um, the first year was a mixed bag with our roadmaps but we got more than i mean out of our 25 departments i would say around 12 or 13 of them are pretty good wow and this year we're going to do the second iteration of the roadmap i can already see the acceptance and a few champions have emerged a few departments have emerged and said hey this is actually useful for us can we push the envelope a bit more this year and we just clutch to those people like for our dear lives and we're like yes we give every support you want you know i hear you you know and make them the superstars but i guess with also help is because when we were looking for this champions we had each of the department nominated what we call as knowledge management focal Ah. To manage the expectations, we provide terms of reference for each of the focal. What was helpful is that we were inclusive. When we developed that TOR, we consulted all the departments. The former focals, we also consulted the heads of departments. So everyone had the say. And the realistic expectation is that these focals can only dedicate 10 to 15% of their time in km because we want to start nimble we want we do not want to suddenly throw all this work on them i guess that being participatory and consultative really helped a lot in engaging these focals to support and to champion km so basically jane you you, you make uh, km part of the job description of each employee Oh, uh, I wish we could together. <laughs> not yet there, not yet there. <laughs> not not yet there, yes. That's why we said it's 10 to 15% of their workload. That's the expectation. Jane, you know what I'm realizing? We have so much to share. We're not letting Edwin, Monica and Janetta ask us any questions. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> the question I have is this is is the majority of your focus and effort with the action plan and how you've outlined the future Are you focused more internally or externally? Okay, there is there's two parts to this, Edwin, and uh, we've launched an innovation hub last year, which is also we are the custodians of that as well. And it's very similar what you just asked us. It applies to innovation as well. We need to do knowledge management internally, which is mostly looking at our internal process, our culture, and our systems, to then produce high quality knowledge solutions for our clients. one and two both go hand in hand you can't produce amazing knowledge solutions if you are not internally a knowledge based organization and that's where our journey is and that's why uh, our team has been so busy since the launch of kmap uh, as we call it because time is a limited and we've got so many initiatives and you have to tackle km from every angle right from the whole cycle of km we have a team and the appetite 
right within management as well as within our staff so we should strike while the iron is hot in your pack Vivek just picking up on that you mentioned the three levers you know the the people process and technology but you actually have process and technology together I found interesting could you talk me through that because that's I've never seen that before so when we selected what you have seen from the kmap as people process and systems and relationships we use a theory of change model to identify what factors will drive us to our goal of becoming this trusted knowledge solutions provider in the region. That's the reason why we had those three pillars in the KMAP. We often hear this, KM is 90, 95% people and 5% technology. So a lot of the collaboration and knowledge flow that goes into the process, a lot of the emphasis really is the people who are driving uh, the KM. You know, it's so interesting what Jin just said. Uh, we were having a discussion with one of our clients uh, in the government about knowledge management and making this whole case that, you know, we need to figure out the culture, the people bit first and then they tackle the other one. But of course, the default option is always we want repositories, we want platforms. You know, we once we get a website, we will fix everything. And it was so difficult, right, Jane, that conversation to bring them back and say, you know what, that's not what we need. And I'm so happy to say that, you know, for us, the whole process and technology is one and together. And if you notice a lot of our efforts predominantly and in many of our examples that we're sharing with you are more on the people and the culture bit, very little on the technology, while we have lots of initiatives on the technology side as well. Chinara? Uh, you are speaking about culture and culture, which is a key driver for implementing knowledge management successful. My question is, do you think that the age can have a sort of negative or positive impact on changing the status quo of KM in, in, in your organization? Do you think that age, what do you maybe mean? sex, can age. age, age? No, you know what? I mean, uh, I, I'm going to have Jane tackle the age question. You knew that was coming. Wait a minute. I see a pattern here. Any hard questions are automatically James. Hard questions always go to Jane in our team. But before Jane jumps, uh, let me take the first uh, shot at this. So interesting that you bring up age, right? And but for us, for us it's alchemy. Sometimes, uh, and that's what happened for us in ADB is. Firstly, we all really enjoy our job here. We are a team of sorry, eight core people in our team. Everyone is really, really committed to the cause. And it sometimes works out as a coincidence, right? Everyone comes in, they enjoy this, and therefore our work is just amplified. I, I think there's a lot of good humor and uh, a lot of good chemistry amongst us, including with our manager. And that's when, Jeanette, I have to draw it back to your question. I think age doesn't matter. But once you have that chemistry and that relationship correct and something where we all trust one another, there's a lot of trust in our team where everyone assumes good intent. Before we jump into Jane's answer, I want to read what Merriam-Webster defines (laughs) alchemy as because you bring up something that I don't hear much in this ability of synergies within organizations. 
we're going to skip the first definition. So the second definition is a power or process that changes or transforms something in a mysterious or impressive way. Ah. The, the KM yeah. alchemy <laughs> is an absolute <laughs> fact. Thank you. Absolutely. Right. And ADB KM alchemy is working at the moment. And all our effort is how do we institutionalize this alchemy? So even if tomorrow a lot of us have moved on or, you know, we you know, graduate from this school of our department or whatever, we make sure that these ideas continue. This really resonates with me because you hear KM kind of refreshed or referred to as having the right recipe. You know, you're a cook in the kitchen and you got to have all the parts and pieces to make it all work. But to me, I'd rather see in my mind an image of the old alchemist with his little mortise and pestle mixing up the brew. I, I like that better. And so alchemy is sticking with me. I think KM alchemy is the new hashtag. Oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> go ahead, James. No, but that, Vivek was saying, you know, it's the dynamics. There are a lot of individuals, especially what we call the local staff in the bank. It really depends on who you work with. Because in our team, this is the first time that I have often heard from my colleagues say, we are empowering you. You will be leading this task. That's probably a signal that the culture is also changing. That kind of dynamics and who you work with, I would say that a lot of the staff are really open to change. It's just that there was no opportunity before to bring that out. The current composition of our team right now, and as I've mentioned, says that much space to exercise our creativity. And definitely, I do not agree that it has something to do with age. <laughs> so the age question maybe not be spot on for what you're maybe seeing. Are there demographics or regionalities or sectors that you see doing things at a better rate than others? Maybe it's not age, maybe it's not gender, maybe it's people that wear glasses, people that don't wear glasses, you know, whatever that is. Are you seeing anything become self-evident? It's a good question. It's making us think a little bit. It's not about age, you know, and, and this is my learning here and I offer it humbly. The change is hard. No one likes change, right? And with KM, sometimes we operate so much in the abstract. The value comes after so many years, the gestation period is so long for our reform that instant gratification of passing a loan, for example, may not be there. So there is resistance, right? And it's not because they're not, some are more open and amenable to change than others always are, which is true in any organization. And I think that's where I, I bring it back to us that we as a group and as a small department, or as a small unit have to be the ones to, to show value in KM. Why should you invest your time and effort in KM? Which is true, you can replace the word KM and put anything else in there and the same statement will be true. No one needs to listen to anybody else until you tell us why this is important or what's the value of doing that. And so that any resistance that we face is part of the course, as they say. So of, of your definition of resistance, what's the demographic that's doing things better? I, you, my, my gosh, you really want an answer to that, huh? You know, I'll tell you the demographic that is doing, you know, we haven't seen any demographic, maybe within department. Okay, so we're going to go to Jane on this one because you're just talking in circles. Jane, give me the straight dope. What, tell me, what's the deal? 
if we are talking yeah. about years of experience in ADB, if it's not age, uh, I don't really observe any pattern uh, uh, that this cohort, that this group of individuals who have worked with ADB much longer is more resistant to change than those who are uh, newbies, you know, who have just worked with us in the last five years. You know, Edwin, you're really putting pressure on us to answer this question. <laughs> I don't think it has anything to do with age or demographic or nationality, but you know, maybe yeah. it has something to do with when you joined the organization, where did you join? Because we have different types of departments within ADB, right? So we have our regional departments, which is where most of the loans are being processed. And then we have our knowledge departments, which is where we sit. And then you have all the other departments which make an organization tick and run, right? Our legal department, our HR department. So maybe the degrees of acceptance and understanding of KM may vary based on where you've joined. Knowledge is understood very well in ADB. That knowledge, you know, we need to produce knowledge. Knowledge is what, you know, keeps us alive and kicking. But knowledge management is where the tricky part comes in. I mean, you mentioned earlier that you that you don't have a reporting, that you, that you don't report as such, that you, there's, there's kind of not, there's no naughty list. And you know, so how do you guys know <laughs> what success looks like um, if you're not yeah. tracking that? We do have our corporate results framework. And part of that reporting is who this benchmarking exercise, because we often say that if you have your KM house in order, it would enable the bank to deliver quality knowledge to its clients. At the moment, we're using what's out there in the market, which is APQC's KM Capability Assessment Test. That benchmarking tool is something that we are monitoring. We started getting baseline data. And uh, in terms of that exercise, we did see areas for improvement along the lines of knowledge flow, IT, and content management, and some space still to improve on governance. That's how we're trying to measure at the moment if we're doing KM right. At the same time, besides the benchmarking, we also often get in touch regularly with our KM Focals because we want to track how they are, how they find the work as a KM Focal, what are their challenges uh, in terms of balancing the work to do their, yeah. their traditional work. With Monica, KM. I just realized that we've talked about so many different initiatives without giving you a bit of a structure. Right. So firstly, so we have the knowledge management action plan in ADB. And with that, we have kind of uh, reinvigorated our knowledge management focal network, right, which is around 88 of them across ADB. Now, under that, one, one of the ways in which we want to implement and improve ADB's KM capabilities internally is the knowledge management roadmaps. Now, that's what we said is, you know, a bit more informal, not kind of making them feel like, you know, there's a naughty list if you don't achieve what you promise because we realize that it's going to take some time, right? However, on the more formal side is what James talked about is the corporate results framework because we have a responsibility to our donors and to our to the taxpayers who ultimately give money to ADB, the better the resources go. One of the things where I think we are really happy with some of the work we have done on this is it's very hard to track how knowledge product or a service that ADB does 
did that lead to anything tangible on the ground right yeah. very hard to make that connection and we've tried our best with our corporate results framework right and the kind of levels of indicators that we have our client feedback that we take to gauge the quality of our products you know it may be an imperfect indicator but there's and there's scope to improve but that's a good start so it's a bit like the net, the net promoter score right. isn't it exactly Genera. So yeah, there is a lot of innovation in what we you have done uh, in your work, especially in the last few years. So I'm wondering uh, if you can tell us uh, a couple of concrete examples uh, that you think uh, you brought on this on this journey. So what did this group and your organization to let you having more people on board? As I Something like, oh gosh, this is really disrupt with the past and it's cool. Wow, let's be on board. Can you give us a couple of examples? Uh, Jane, should we talk about country knowledge programming? Sure. So, Jeanette, one of the initiatives we have on country knowledge programming is EDB has a, what we call a country partnership strategy. And uh, that's drafted for every member country that we have developing member country. So think of it like the blueprint of what we will say that we are going to focus on over the five year period for that country. Uh, typically, it will have three pillars, right? So it might say things like green growth or uh, reform the urban sector or something on agriculture and social sectors, things like that. Now, those three pillars and then ADB will list out all the kind of activities that they want to do to make sure that that goal of that pillar is achieved. We had something called the country knowledge plan, which was an appendix to this document. Right? And all of these are available on the internet. Let me shamelessly plug also that we have a YouTube video on this. If you will ADB country knowledge programming, you should find it. So this country knowledge plan was an appendix and uh, was not kind of getting the value that we wanted from it, right? Which it just became like a laundry list of all the products and services that ADB is going to produce over five years, wasn't really looked at. We said that maybe there's an opportunity to reform this. So we said that let's firstly call it a country knowledge program, where the idea here is that if say ADB is spending, I'm making up a number here, say 20 or 30 million dollars worth of knowledge support to a particular country, which goes in the form of what we call technical assistance, right? So we have loans and then we have technical assistance. If, if you're doing 20, 30 million dollars worth of technical assistance, what's the bang for the buck? What are we getting in return? What's the result of that 20, 30 million dollars that we are spending? Are we aligned with what the government is asking us in terms of support? So we started with and we were so lucky that the Philippines country office of ADB said, yeah, this kind of sounds interesting. Why don't you come and help us out? So they opened their books for us, right? So we could see the technical assistance. Uh, we kind of did an analysis of the portfolio to see how does this align with their own country pillars, the, the partnership pillars, as we call it, where which sector was getting the most money? How was the government uh, demand look like? Yeah, it went well, uh, to say the least, because now we have gone on to our 15th country word spread, complete word of mouth. We've been able to institutionalize this effort and I've really shortchanged the entire story here, you know, so because what we did is we first came up with a methodology for the analysis. So we have a four step process. Step number one is consult with the government. Step number two is let's analyze our own portfolio and understand where those resources are currently going. Step number three is let's prioritize. 
when and how sort of ask those questions of what is adb's comparative advantage should we be focusing more on gender or should we focus more on climate change right and step number 4 is finally review and take it back to the government and get concurrence it's to draft draft the plan to so draft the plan and then just get concurrence so these four steps we've been able to make a lot of progress in this and uh, as an initiative it started with just us in a room saying okay we need to do this and now we've been able to formalize this this is there is something this has been institutionalized so every country has to follow a similar process now here's where the challenge comes in right just because you've institutionalized doesn't mean the product is a success now it's getting people to do this seeing value in this and ultimately then seeing that there is a lot of beauty in data and numbers you know once you see how your money is going in there's a lot of scope for you to then channel the resources correctly or sharpen it leverage it even more maybe link it to the lending portfolio this has been one of our hopefully janetta you are happy with this one example Absolutely. of where we can say that yeah we are close to success we have quotes from the government that says that they have never seen adb have a conversation with us on um, knowledge and they are so happy to see us do that we have engaged so many staff on knowledge do all of them probably agree with what we are doing probably not but it's very hard to refute data right so therefore that become a real real strong point for us as a team and we see real scope in the country knowledge programming very world. good i think what's innovative about this process also is because for the first time we made departments or we made the staff think about why are you producing this knowledge what is your purpose so we mm. we were thinking that there could be three results or three outcomes of knowledge are you producing knowledge for evidence based and information research to help our policymakers make good decisions is it knowledge to build capacities in the government in our clients or is it knowledge that helps improve the delivery or service of a program for the first time we we asked staff across the bank why are you wasting time to produce a working paper or a technical study you need to understand what the purpose is and the other success indicator here is that that kind of portfolio analysis it was even adopted beyond this country knowledge plan it was adopted now for the public financial management work of our procurement department as well as water sector group that methodology is being adopted by other groups as well because that methodology just really brings out what is the value the, the return on investment for your knowledge why are we spending so much that the whole first bit about the consultation we always say the word demand driven knowledge right we want the knowledge to be something that the government wants as an institution our role is not just to give the government what they are asking for in terms of knowledge but also push the boundary what's next that forward looking knowledge we corrected our own language that it's not 100% demand driven neither should the portfolio be 100% supply driven there's a balance there there is room for us to give push the government to think about new areas that they would not traditionally look at and that's our role as well as a development institution right to be, help asia with the next generation of knowledge Mm. not just you know give them what they currently can see so that was a good part of our learning as well on balancing the demand and supply of knowledge well you're putting a fine sharp pencil mm. tip to the why period why why do anything 
right? And if it's not driving towards supporting a mission or outcome, it's a wasted resource. True. You've you've really put the microscope internally yep. to the process orientation and the product delivery and actually the bottom line revenue spend to focus an intent and purpose to just a mission-oriented outcome. You make it sound so much better than what we would say. Thank you, Edwin. It's the shirt. It's the shirt. <laughs> okay. I, I need to get me one of those shirts with those color photos. <laughs> I like some of the phraseology you're using. I like the impact you're going for because it is really one of the few knowledge management enterprise level integrated purposeful intentful you're you're basically highlighting what an organization could really do uh, that most organizations fight against uh, because there's not enough sponsorship there's not enough resources and they don't put the effort into the level of detail you folks are doing thank you thank you very much Mm, thank you. Yes. <laughs> Take a bow. So what's the future? You talked about resources, and I think that's an important thing to touch upon as well. Many times for many of the initiatives that we wanted to do, right, the first thing whenever someone, we want someone to take certain action, they say, but we don't have the resources. Gosh, we've been able to prove it time and time again that resources is not the reason why you don't start something. It really many, even this country knowledge program work has not been resource intensive at all. It takes a couple of people and a couple of analysts to take a look at that data set and to make it happen. Now with the whole virtual world, without the cost of travel even and the cost of doing these consultations physically, even that has been removed. So it was in many ways a great example to say, hey, great KM doesn't take a great amount of money. It takes a willingness to do it and someone to go through the painstaking process of creating those four steps. Now, if I go back to management and say that we want resources, I think we will get it. Yeah, yeah. you bring up an excellent point. The return on investment is definitely easier to show evidence when the upfront cost is not as heavy. Exactly. I love that. I, it's like most organic things in the world. There is a simple solution. I think most people tend to yeah. overcomplicate the issue and not look at some of the easy fixes that could be done at a low cost, low effort. Uh, so let's go around the horn for a few more questions and then we'll wrap up. Monica, what do you have? I just want to say thank you. And it's been absolutely fascinating. And I have learned so much being on the call with you. You know, I think we've answered loads of questions and we could carry on talking for another hour, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Janetta? For me, uh, I found that your journey is very productive and positive and it's a good best practice. I think the key point in your organization was that the majority of stakeholders were on board. In a certain way, you had the right determination and personality to push forward this idea and this willingness to change, right? I don't have any extra questions at the moment, but I would like to really thank you for your participation and your contribution to this episode of the Our KM Love Show. Absolutely, thank you. Uh, Jane, I'll give you the final comment. I know that we've often said that barring the age joke or age reference, I still have a few years and I know that we will still see a lot of change in ADB. We're setting the stage for what our colleague at the banquet always say that a more transformational knowledge management. Our emphasis now really is 
what is the result of the knowledge that we deliver to our clients? How is it really helping them? And we will continue to do that kind of work and uh, identify other tools. The way we are seeing this Knowledge Advisory Services Center, and as we have learned more recently, is we do knowledge management, not just for efficiency. Eventually, we're moving into that innovation space. We would have that kind of uh, transformation sooner. So, you know, you'd asked us about the, the future. What do we want to do? So let me try to build on what Jane said. First and foremost, we need to institutionalize a lot of these efforts. We want to make sure that they are deep-rooted, that the roots are strong so that when you know the next phase comes up these things are well and their successes have been documented and shared uh, second we want to tackle innovation as well what's the innovation journey for adb and how do we make sure that we kind of start looking at that and uh, two important things for me is one you can't measure success day to day or week to week because that time it's just the day-to-day -day frustrations of doing things and just the tasks that you have to finish but are we moving the needle year by year that is important and for us in our unit it's a confident yes we are better off in 2022 than we were in 2021 we are better off in 2020 and lastly have fun it's a lot of fun to do this especially when you have good colleagues to work with Right. And that for us is very important to at the end of it to have that right team spirit. And with that, I'll hand it back to our wonderful host. Excellent. You know, we're going to end on a good note here because to wrap all this up into a nice, tidy little present, a couple of things I want to bring up. One is that I keep hearkening back to the concept of the hero's journey. If you do some research on the hero's journey it's all about a call to adventure and leaving the world of the known to the world of the unknown in order to gather new knowledge to expand your perspectives to to learn and that's really the essence of learning is to venture into the unknown and Try to gather knowledge, try to understand, try to change your perspective because when you come back from that hero's journey, the intent is to come back changed, to affect change going forward. It is an iterative process. So just know that that KM Alchemy, hashtag KM Alchemy, started today, thanks to these guys, the hidden essence that builds that communicative and trusting team in order to communicate and function and learn takes work. It doesn't just happen. It may not be resource heavy as was just described, but it is work. And until it becomes a habit, it will always cause a little friction. And as my friend in Italy likes to call them, the permafrost people, the ones that are frozen, <laughs> hopefully the sun will shine and they will feel the warmth. That ability to bring everybody together is a lot of work. That camaraderie, that KM alchemy, uh, there has to be some leadership. There has to be some demonstrated ability for the team to function and believe in something. That takes some faith and dedication. So let's let's leave today in the hero's journey to challenge what we think we know and to believe in something that could be better, but we don't know what that is yet. But we're not afraid. We're not afraid. 
right? So let's go out yeah. together in the KM journey and change the world. Thank you all for being here today. It was an absolute joy. I think we should do it every day. <laughs> oh, it's brilliant. Absolutely fantastic. It's it's, it's, it's great to speak to mm -hmm. people who are so passionate about it because, you know, it inspires me to, and, and Janetta to keep going forward as well in what we're doing because it's not always easy. Thank you for inviting us. Thank you, Janetta and uh, Monica. It was really a pleasure to kind of talk to you and I hopefully you lived up to some of your expectations. Thank you, Vivek. Thank you, Jane. You've been listening to the KM Lobby Show, sponsored by Pioneer Knowledge Services. Thank you for being a part of today's discussions. The music was provided by Monologue Rockstars. The name of that piece was At the Restaurant. The executive producer for this show is Janetta Guelli. Monica, myself, and Janetta, we thank you, and we would hope to have you on to talk about your knowledge management journey.